0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Adaptable Athlete Podcast, powered by Emergence. I'm your host, Coach Hobb. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. So, for longtime fans and supporters of the show, you know that every now and then we like to take deep dives into topics that I feel need to be illuminated and highlighted and unpacked just a little bit more. For those that are new to the show, This is something that we like to do. We work away from the long format interview episodes, which I love and are awesome, and try to give you more digestible, actionable things that you can take away and put into your practice immediately. And that is the goal today. You know, one of the things that coaches struggle with when adopting a more modern approach to skill acquisition and to coaching, a more contemporary approach, if you will, is the idea Of guiding an athlete without telling them what to do, right? Without necessarily telling them how to act, because that is how traditionally it's been done for years. I know that is what I experienced as an athlete, and I know that is what I did as a coach in my formative years as as a new as a new coach getting into this field. And that's what a large portion of the industry does. So, you know, we 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 embark on this journey in trying to understand a CLA and ecological dynamics, and then we're kind of told. You know, we can't discreetly tell an athlete what to do, which by the way, you sometimes have to be direct and and not necessarily guide them with with indirect questions and more open-ended questions. But in general, we don't want to dictate an athlete's movement solutions. We don't want to tell them how they should move. We might want to guide them on what to see or guide their search, direct their attention and intentions to specific aspects of the movement problem and the solutions that they may come up with. But we, in general, do not want to just tell them exactly how to do. That is how a lot, again, how a lot of the industry does it, where you move to A, to B, to C in this rote, repetitious way. And we are not proponents of that. And I hope you are not, if you are listening to this podcast, if you are, I hope this can maybe shed some light on some other ways to coach. And that is my intention Today, with this episode is to give you three different ways, three different things that you can do to help guide your athletes search, help guide and potentially shape their movement behavior. This list is not exhausted, exhaustive, but I think these are three of the lowest hanging fruits, three of the things that you can do and implement in your practice today. Before I let you guys get to the episode, if you're interested in learning more about these approaches, a lot of this stuff is covered with the courses that we have over at Emergence, including one of my favorites and one of the courses that I did, uh, including the graduate edition, it is the Movement Academy. And so that is something that we are really trying to make aware to the public, to people and coaches who are interested in these ideas. I will link to that in the show notes. But now let's move on. Let's get into the episode today. I hope you enjoy All right. We're going to kick it off. The first one, the first thing that you can do as a coach to help guide movement behavior, to help drive and educate attention and intentions, you can do these things. And I'm gonna start with this first one. And it's going to change potentially, it can potentially change the behavior of your athletes. Now, with all these things that I'm going to say, it is important to understand context. So if I say something, this does not mean that it applies to any and every situation. It can be a tool, and as a coach, you need to know how and when to use this tool. So number one, here's one thing you can do to help guide or change your athlete's behavior and guide their attention and intentions, and that is Simply to keep score. Now that may seem obvious, but you can keep score if you are working with your athletes in a movement activity and you want to drive certain behaviors. For example, a situation where you might want to not keep score is if you are in the beginning parts of a movement prep and you're doing an activity and you're simply looking for the athletes to explore their environment. To explore how they're moving in space, to explore their opponents, to become a little bit more attuned to these sorts of these sorts of informational variables that they're going to see in the game, maybe inter interpersonal space, um, field conditions, that kind of thing. That is maybe where you wouldn't want to do it. But where you would want to do it is certainly if you are trying to drive more of an exploitation aspect of of your athlete session. For example, maybe they need to actualize and act on some of these affordances in an effective way they need to score right that is the purpose of their position or as a defensive player they need to allow not allow them to score rather so you could do that the other thing about adding score and keeping score rather is that it certainly can add a level of pressure anxiety and stress to your athletes Ultimately, they will be performing under those conditions. So I do believe it is important to train that way. So it is important to have score in at some point in your, whether it's a scrimmage or whether it's your small sided game. It is also going to turn up, likely turn up. I don't want to say for certain because we do not know, but it's going to potentially turn up your athlete's intensity and the intentions in which they move. Another thing that you can do is you don't have to have all behaviors scored the same. If there is a certain behavior that you want or you are looking for your athletes to try to select a certain affordance you are trying to get them to select, you can award them more points. For example, if you are working with fighters, uh, whether MMA or boxing, and you want your athletes to really work on body shots, right? You could award them more points if you're using a point system, or if you want them to counter, maybe you could award them more, more points for countering a punch. Or maybe if you don't work in that kind of setting, um, something that we've done at Ignite is we've done something where basically an invasion, evasion activity where our athletes are trying to cross a certain zone, thinking football or rugby or something like that. And we want them maybe to not always take the easy solution, right? If they're constantly scoring, we might only score that one point, a certain side of the end zone, if you will, or the scoring zone, maybe something further away, we will make that two points, three points. So that way, our athletes are now trying to score in different ways, and not always choosing the same solution, because sometimes that may not be always available. In addition to that, we might be guiding our athletes search for different solutions. And also the element of strategy, comes into play if it's the first one to 10 well we might then decide as a team we're going to go for the more risky actions and strategy is is certainly an element tactics is, is certainly an element that you're going to see in the games the other thing that you can do with score right is add a little consequence to it again adding that level of pressure stress and anxiety now i'm not the biggest fan of conditioning as punishment but i suppose you could do that you know if you work with professional athletes they will probably do this on their own by adding pressure and stress by betting money but you could do that another way maybe if you don't work in those settings uh, we've done this in the past um, we don't do it a ton but you can maybe have the losing team within reason do something that's slightly embarrassing like have to perform a dance for the me, the losing team have to perform a dance for the winning team so these are just some ways that you can use scoring to guide behavior Okay, so on to our next way to help guide movement behavior, our next thing that you can do. And obviously, again, I will reiterate this. This is without with the idea of not explicitly telling the athlete how to move. That is a key concept for everybody to understand here. We are not simply driving the car for the athlete. We're handing them the keys and maybe nudging them in the direction that we think might be a functional fit. So that's important. So one of the things that you can do is to guide them with your language through guided questions or through, through queuing. And this one is especially relevant. Uh, if you were in attendance at the 2023 SMSC, then you will have seen my business partner, Tyler Yerby and his excellent presentation where he shared a bunch of these guided questions for your athletes. So I'm not going to go into too many of the specific questions, but it could be something like, is there another way you could have solved that problem? Or how might you exploit space differently? Right, that is, There are millions of them, and Tyler goes into a bunch of them that are super specific and very relevant for practitioners, but that is something where you can then guide the athlete's search for maybe more abundance or a different movement solution. The other thing that you can do is, and Sean is very good about this, I will share a little nugget to behind the closed doors of uh, for those that were there with... Um, for our practical at the 2023 SMSC and Sean and Tyler took everybody through a movement session. We were all involved as a team, but I participated in some of it as well as a participant. I wanted to really get in, in their seat here. And one of the things that Sean said, you know, I'm paraphrasing because this wasn't his exact words is to create. So think about creating. And so as a mover, when the person facilitating that movement session is guiding you to be creative, that creates a different mindset in you as a mover, as opposed to just going about the motions, going through the motions of the movement prep. I'm going to probably explore some different positions that I don't normally do. And so that's something simple, but then can be really a, a highlight, a guiding light for the athlete during that movement session, whether it's a movement prep or even, um, You know, if it's a 1v1 or any sort of movement activity you do. So guided questions are a really powerful thing for encouraging dexterity, encouraging creativity, and maybe getting your athlete out of what they always do, right? A lot of the times our athletes, when they first start with us, they do the same thing over and over and over again. And so when you encourage them with your words and with your environment and with expecting them to maybe do some things that don't work, you can open up a whole new uh, number of possibilities and expand our athletes movement toolbox. All right, time to move on to our final point, the final Way that we will be covering the final thing that we'll be covering for today's episode on how to guide your athlete search and potentially influence their movement solutions. We're going to be talking about highlighting or illuminating an affordance. I'll say that again that is highlighting or illuminating an affordance or potentially making an affordance a little bit more attractive or a little bit more obvious. Now, let me explain. Now, some might call this constraining. To afford, right? So you are constraining something. You are manipulating a constraint in the hopes that an affordance may emerge for that athlete, and they may select it. They may not, right? You can't necessarily demand that they do that. They may not select it. But when coaches first get into this approach, oftentimes—and I certainly did this—and you know, it, I still have to remind myself uh, it's a lot easier now. But you just constrain to constrain. You're just flipping crap around. You're Doing this and changing this and changing that. And while that definitely has a a lot of benefit, can have a lot of benefit, we want to intentionally manipulate constraints. We want to manipulate something if we're noticing the behavior of an athlete or they're not seeing necessarily what we hope they would be seeing. We can constrain and highlight an affordance and make it a little bit more attractive. So hopefully they are able to perceive it and then hopefully after that, act on it. So for an example, something that we'll do if we're doing uh, something that we call gates uh, over at Ignite, we'll have maybe uh, basically an invasion evasion where essentially the athlete has to uh, get to the other side. So think of an example like in football, rugby, soccer, even basketball, any sport where there is a a defense, uh, defense defensive and offensive player in a situation, you are trying to get to a spot and they're trying to not let you get there. And so in this example, what we've seen is sometimes athletes won't perceive opportunities to cut back. They will always go to the same side. So if you see an athlete potentially always going to the left side of our activity, of, of this skate's activity, right, they're always choosing and selecting that same affordance. What we might do is position the defender in a way, not necessarily telling the defender how to act, that might make that cut back more obvious. So we might we might position the defender so he has to run and cover more distance, or you know have a greater speed, and then maybe make the end zone wider, so that way that athlete knows that they can potentially cut back. Right? You could also use some of the the methods. You don't have to use one at a time. You could also use some of the methods that I mentioned earlier in this episode about using a guided question or cueing. But that is another way to do that. Uh, something that you could potentially do. Let's just say uh, in the sport of volleyball, right, if you always are finding that your outside hitter is performing the same kill all the time and you want them to have a different movement solution, you want to expand the movement toolbox, maybe you shift the defense over that takes away the shot that they always like to do. They always like to hit it down, down the line, shift the defense over maybe right and that is a way that hopefully you know and maybe again if you say you shifted over in that situation the and the athlete still doesn't see it you might then go back to a question is there a better way to utilize space or something like that right did you see any openings there right could be more direct like that but that is one way that you can make uh, an affordance a little bit more obvious right there's equipment there's many different ways but is a very powerful tool and one that you could you can utilize in your coaching immediately everyone that is it for me today thank you so much for listening to these episodes whenever I am thinking of creating these episodes and 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 what the audience what you guys might want to hear I try to put myself in your shoes or even something that is interesting to me or where I was when I first started and and you know even holes that I have in my coaching uh, repertoire my coaching toolbox and it is always guided by you. So if there is ever anything that you all have burning questions on, feel free to hit me up directly on social media, email me, or hit us up over at Emergence. But the purpose of these is to get this methodology of coaching into more hands and make it more approachable. I'm fully aware that some of these concepts can be a bit abstract Can be a bit confusing, especially if you're new to them. But my hope is that this makes that transition a little bit easier for you. Remember, I've been there. I've messed up plenty of times. So there's nothing you can do that I haven't done that's worse or the equivalent of. One last thing. Again, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, if you want to really dive into this stuff and take the next step for your career, my favorite course for that. The one that we offer and the one that I've done is the Movement Academy. There is both an Essentials Edition, which is going to be a little bit more in depth, right? So if you really want to dive in head first, you can certainly do that. If you are not quite ready for that, no problem. There's a Movement Academy Academy intro, which will cover those topics that I discuss in much more detail and really is geared towards you and your individual setting and practice. Well, that is all for me, guys. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked today's episode, share it on social media, or better yet, write us a review on the platform of your choice. To stay up to date with the podcast, check out the podcast website, theadaptableathlete.com. To see what we have going on over at Emergence, check out the Emergence website. That is Emergent Movement mvmt again that's emergent mvmt.com thanks again for joining me until next time we'll see you on the adaptable athlete podcast